When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Jesse coming at you live on an Avalanche off day. Uh, obviously, the big topic around the NHL right now being Vegas' lost the other night. I'm sure we will talk about that. We'll talk about the playoff race and maybe a little bit later get into a questionable conversation about how long the NHL season should be. Uh, but for starters, let's make it clear. Vegas is not eliminated from the playoffs yet. There is still a chance. It's... It, Largely going to depend on the game tomorrow between Vegas and Dallas, uh, where the standings sit. So far from over, while everyone is celebrating Vegas's demise, not quite bro, done yet, bro. It was I was tweeting during the game. I follow Vegas, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, like official Twitter, yeah. and like, dude, it's just one of those things you go through there, and it's like, yeah, no shit, everyone hates you guys. Like, you know, they're, they're sitting there uh, tweeting out, oh, wow, I sure wouldn't want to be a fan of any team that needs us to lose. And, you know, just just literally talking. You'd think that with the position they were in, they would have learned a little bit of humility. I thought all their social media stuff the first year was really funny. They were the new team. They kind of leaned into it. They, like now it's like now you're just being a dick. They transition so quickly from plucky new upstart to actual smug asshole. Like, right, right, right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It was, yeah. And they were like, oh, all these other fans cheering against us. We hope you all have a bad night. It's like, I mm, wonder why everyone hates you. AJ, how do you feel about uh, Vegas's descent into the team everyone's rooting against? Um... I mean, let's just say that I've got my tweet ready if they're eliminated. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. I'm already, I've already got it decided on. All right. So, I mean, it has to be like the early 2010s Blackhawks, the last time there was a team like this universally disliked, right? Yeah, probably, I would think. I mean, were the early 2010s Blackhawks that disliked i like, mean once they got like the second and third cup and every arena they went to was like filled with blackhawks fans and by the I, way those I, fans I, I don't think, see them at mini games anymore i think i think the fan base is probably 
yeah, more reviled than the team. Well, and like like for most Chicago teams, the fan base is the one we're just like, God, I have to put up with these people. Yeah, yeah, Chicago and Boston. Like, I think it's wonderful. I I wish the Rockies could get their Cub series out of the way. Second series, maybe even first series, every single year. Just get it over with, get it done with, and don't have to think about those people the rest of the summer. I I would say maybe the 2014, or rather 2015 Kings, after their second cup, there was, you know, Operation Regicide and all of that to have them miss the playoffs, but... But it's just, like, dude, it it was so funny that, like, Avs fans, I understand why they don't like Vegas. You know, these two teams have been tops in the West the last couple years, obviously playoff series last year. I get it. Like there's a couple fan bases, San Jose. I I get why they don't like him, but like literally everyone was rooting for the San Jose Sharks last night. And Rudo, I know you, AJ, did you watch that game? Oh yeah. I got, I did not, I did not do anything. I got home and immediately turned that on. Yeah, I survived the weird frozen tundra that was Winnipeg streets last night after our very bizarre combination of rain and snow over this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting home was a challenge, but once I got there, watched the hell out of that game. Dude, yeah, the, the game itself like wasn't that great, but what a finish. Yeah, genuine. Couldn't write it up in a movie better. <laughs> Well, and then, like, the fact that it's Timo Meyer that ties the game after he's the one that came out and was like, yeah, we're looking to ruin their chances. Like, that's what we're playing for tomorrow. Called it the biggest game of the year. Yep. Thanks, Timo. Yeah, and, and dunks one home. Put me in uh, put me in my uh, fantasy league finals with that goal. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks Nick Eaglers, too. Did you guys see that a bunch of – uh, Vegas fans were like upset with the officiating. I last night. D- Vegas fans, bro. Did you hear the broadcast? <laughs> no, I watched the, the show. Yeah, I was watching the, the, the announcers lost their shit after the game was tied. They, when it happened live, they didn't say anything about it. Uh, but after the game had gotten tied, they go to overtime, they go to commercial break, and the first thing they come back to. Is they're like, look at the slash on William Carlson that went uncalled with 22 seconds left. If there's one thing that I love is that Ken, our pal from Sinbin, was on social media last night and he was like, shut up. Come on. (laughs) They lost a home game to a terrible Sharks team in which they had a two-goal lead with two minutes to go and and a power play in overtime. And you guys are sitting here trying to find a way to blame the refs. Dude, four-on-three power plays are as close to a free goal as you can get. You should just win the game with one of those, like genuinely. And then especially with with all the problems surrounding Vegas this year, their four-man power play unit shouldn't be one of them. Like, you you have so many options to go to. I was like, they're just going to sit here and tee off on poor James Reimer for 90 seconds until one eventually goes in. Huge credit to James Reimer, by the way, who after that game was tied up, dialed it up a level. Yep. Uh, wasn't he was great. So good in the shootout. Yeah. Oh, dude, he was phenomenal. Like, he wasn't great during the game, but that game got tied and he was like, cool, we're winning. Like, I'm not giving one up. 
a uh, couple big overtime saves. And then, yeah, dude, he was, he was fantastic in the shootout. Uh, let's talk about this. Rudo mentioned it yeah. to you before we started the show. Their shootout choices for Vegas, like th- their, their selection of shooters. So I thought was really bizarre. They started with Nick Waugh, which was super duper weird to me. He's he was three of four this year. I get it. He was really good this year, but when you have a lineup, it, it a must win game. You could go with mm. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Marjusso or Carlson, <laughs> and, and three of four is great. But that's Riley Smith. That's a super small sample size. Jack Eichel, I get it's Jack Eichel. Yeah, Your second choice. And then they go with Shea Theater, who I understand has been very, very good in the shootouts. But it just feels weird that they pick two guys that aren't your typical, like, dudes you think of in a shootout, especially with, one that big. With all the offensive weapons that they have, I just thought – I just thought it was curious. AJ looks okay. like – like we're speaking in Arabic, right? No, now. well, so like I can understand. I guess I can kind of understand Nick Waugh just because, like, he's Nick Waugh, and like career-wise, he did he had four shootout attempts to that point, right? And he'd scored on three of them, which to me, I'm just like, it's fine. Um, but like Shea Theodore is by far their best in the shootout. I, I understand. You go, you go and look like. Guy. Like, like Jack Eichel is career wise, his like 30 whatever percent was second best until he didn't score. William Carlson is only 33 percent. Jonathan Marcheseau is 27 percent. If Riley Smith career or this year, yeah, career pretty good Um, for a career. It's not though. Um, 27 (laughs) percent. No, seriously. Um, six, he's scored six out of 22. Mark Stone has scored three out of 13. Max Pacioretty, eight out of 35 for 22.9%. Those are all pretty low numbers. If you go and you look at, uh, if, if you go and you look at uh, guys who, uh, like, guys who do this, like, like pretty regularly, like Artemi Panarin's at, like, 60%. Jonas Donskoy, same thing. Guy like Dougie Hamilton, same thing. Like there so, are, a, but, 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 I'm, so saying, I think I'm the, saying for for their team, they just don't have guys who historically have really been very good in that format. And the guys that they went with, like Nick Waugh's been their most successful guy this year. Shea Theodore is the best one that they have long term in the format. And then the third guy after that is like they went with Jack Eichel, and Jack Eichel. At least statistically, Jack Eichel is as good as any of the guys that they could have picked. So that that for me is I'm just like that's fine. Like I didn't have an issue with that. And so I guess I guess the point that I'm making at least, and maybe what I, I don't know, there's a root of saying, but like this is one of those things for me. For me, this is one of those moments where it's like, yeah, your game is on the line. I think you have to throw some of those statistics out and say, hey, Max Pacioretty, you've been our best player all night. You are our best goal scorer. You're a leader in the room. Like, go out there and get this done for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, they they got too caught up in exactly what you were just listing off. Who's our who's our best guy? What does the data say? What does our statistics say on this? It's like, no, you just got to – chips are down. Send your big guns out and trust that they can get the job done. They went out and spent – what is it, a $98 million they are on the cap now? Mm-hmm. And they basically said, look – 
all of you forwards that we brought in, we don't trust any of you except Jack Eichel. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's a addition to what everyone has been thinking and talking about Vegas so far this year, where you're yeah. like, boy, I wouldn't want to play there right now. Right. It seems like that front office doesn't put any trust in any of their players. And, yeah. you know, the other side of it is, well, they trusted Nick Waugh, I guess. But it, it feels like they bring in stars to just not give them the big role, I guess. Did you guys notice? So speaking of their big stars, it was, man, I think it was in, it was either in at the very beginning of overtime or right before San Jose scored to tie it. There was a collision with Mark Stone uh, in the San Jose zone. And I think Brent Burns fell on top of him and like stayed there. Mark Stone was really slow to get up. And then he got he got up and the camera stayed on him and you read his lips very clearly and he seemed really like not frustrated but pissed and I was like I'll bet you he is in a lot of pain and Brent Burns a pretty big dude just ran him from behind well, and Mark I would also be mad if I had just missed an empty <laughs> neck goal. From the blue line, no less. Okay, okay, that's right, that's right. So you know exactly what play I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. And and I I wanted to pay attention after that, and he still took shifts, but he didn't play the rest of regulation, and it took him a few shifts into overtime before he rolled over the boards. And I, it's just that's the other part of this for me. Had he even had that collapse not happen last night, like. Vegas is limping to the finish line here for the regular season. This whole Robin Leonard thing is ridiculous. Dude, what a goddamn sideshow. Well, we should talk about this, but I think we need an entire segment for it. So we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can go get eight different kinds on tap for the DNVR bar or find it at your local liquor store anywhere in the lower 48 states. Jump on it. They have dozens of flavors. They also have good company hard seltzers. If seltzer is more your thing, you can go get yourself one of those. They're all ridiculously delicious. Genuinely, they taste like candy. Um, it's it's a little bit dangerous, to say the least. Uh, we're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account with them. Nuggets are still in the playoffs. You can still bet on the Nuggets. Bet $5 on any NBA playoff game, and you get $150 in free bets. You don't even have to be correct. Your bet can lose. You still get the $150 in free bets, so might as well do that. Then you can take the $150, bet it on the Avs, bet it against the Avs, bet it against Vegas. Do whatever you want with it. You don't have to even bet on a major sport. You can bet on the lacrosse leagues or the bowling leagues. I don't know. Sports. Those things. Go bet on them. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, they they genuinely have like sports that you didn't even know had professional leagues. They have bets available to, to use. So go over there. Use the DNVR code when you sign up at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. It's DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The Vegas Golden Knights end up losing that game, and you saw particularly at the end of the shootout, Logan Thompson was just 
devastated on that goal. Yeah. And and you're here with Laurent Bressois, who's actually been properly injured. We know this. And then the mystery situation that is Robin Leonard. And it's, there have been so many sides to this story that, you know, there's been talk about, oh, he's been injured for months. And the team says, oh, he's okay. And, and now the team has their own argument about how they don't want him to get surgery. And now Robin Leonard said he's going to go get an upset. What is happening? <laughs> this this feels I I was talking to Z about this and I was like, can you remember a time when the like big media people, like big media people, just got like major injury news? Incorrect. Nope. Like. There, there are times you know guys like us try and report something, and it ends. It could end up being wrong somewhere along the way. But like big media people were all like, "Robin Leonard's like done." Yep. <laughs> and like, this is like the second or third time this season that yeah. this, this situation season, has this, come up. Yeah, that this has happened. Where I'm just like, is this is this Robin Leonard or the organization that's just like. Okay, it got reported. We can't do it now. <laughs> like, no. Don't trust any any of the sports media. These people are out to get you or whatever. And it's just like, what's happening in this situation? I, like, does this not just seem completely absurd to anybody else? I feel like I'm in, I, like, it, it feels like Twilight zone that Mugatu at the end of Zoolander. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, dude. Like you're 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 look you're like I can't remember there being a situation like this. Like the Eichel thing was like very clear cut. I want surgery. No, you can't have it. Right. Okay. Well, there's the road. Like that's the argument. That's where they are. What the hell is happening here with Robin Leonard? The thing is, like, like they released a press release to say <laughs> yeah. that he was going to take a maintenance day. And but even then, like internally, the things haven't been consistent because Pete DeBoer's like, he's going to take a maintenance day. I'll see him tomorrow. And then you get to tomorrow. And it's like, well, he's having another maintenance day. Right. Well, <laughs> well and, and, like and then... DeBoer's like he comes out after the game the other day. and He's like, he's healthy. He can play. He's fine. That's why we started him. We trust him. He's our guy. And then you pull him after a period in which one you're one one. <laughs> and you're like, and he's like, oh, I just wanted to kickstart our team. And it's like, has a coach, can anybody remember a coach ever pulling a goaltender in a tie game after the first period and being like, just trying to kickstart my team? Right. Yeah, dude, it's it's, it's so weird. It's, it's been super weird. And then the to your point about like the Buffalo Eichel thing, like I want surgery, you can't have it, and he didn't play. All of that made sense. Yeah, right. Like that was very <laughs> that was very clear cut. Everybody understood where everybody and was. It's like, yep, all right, I understand what's going on here. He wants it. They don't <laughs> want him to have it, so he can't play. I get that. I don't understand why they don't want him to have it, but I get how we've landed on this series of events. This is one where it's like it sounds like he wants and needs it. it sounds like it's getting worse. They're telling him you can't have it, and then they're not playing him. It's like why won't yeah. you let him have it if you're not going to play him? None of this makes any sense. Right, right. 
And I I feel bad for Logan Thompson because like he doesn't have anything to do with that. He's just totally. being told go out there. And oh by the way, our hundred million dollar payroll, the fate of our season rests on your shoulders. Go get him, Tiger. And, and <laughs> he's like, been great. He's he's been great. And like I I I I did feel bad for for him individually last oh. night, um, because you know it. it it can feel a little bit like he came unraveled, but I mean, like that's a deflection and then a crazy, you know, Last hockey Jesus puts yeah. that <laughs> off, off the wall and puts it right on Timo Meyer's stick. Um, you know, and then he, he stopped the first two in the shootout, got no help. It's a great move that beats him. And he's the most crushed. It's like, bro, if there is anyone on this team that should feel like it's house money, it's you. And like, you feel bad for him because he's been put, in an incredibly awkward situation. I feel ter- I feel terrible for Logan Thompson. Like having some familiarity with like the backstory of like who he is and his route and all that. Like he's the ultimate underdog who's made good, right? Like he's the easiest person in the in the world to root for, and he's on like team villain. <laughs> the last team on the league to root for. Yeah, yeah, he's like the he's last the guy that everybody in the league is like, man, I wish that guy could make the playoffs for, <laughs> with, with somebody else. Right. <laughs> it's it, it's such a crazy situation with Vegas, especially because you Which guys talk why about we're it. still talking about yeah. it, by the way. Like, yeah. but how this, we, is, this is insane stuff that we're watching how, happen here. How did we get here where Vegas in November is the hero that lets Jack Eichel have his surgery and, and is we're moving forward in the NHL of like, we're finally respecting players health. And now in April, we're here where they won't let Robin (laughs) Leonard get a surgery that he needs. I don't, I can't comprehend it. My brain. How quickly it turned because like they traded for it, but everybody was like, well, they're going to have to make decisions. And their decision was let's get cute. Right. And that, I think that's when everybody really, because like everybody understood something was going to have to be done, that they were going to have to make choices along the way. Um, And like there was already plenty of like negative, uh, kind of like negative feelings towards them after what they did to Flurry last year, um, which was kind of this continuation of they've, they've, just done some they've done some players wrong nate schmidt right before yeah, mark andre flurry exactly like nate schmidt two years ago and then last year mark andre flurry and you're just like golly you know you're you're just like this is kind of a messed up organization and then then they did like the ultimate like the, apparently in the fans eyes like the ultimate sin which is play cap games <laughs> uh, because like now everybody turned on him when they, when they activated Jack Eichel, put Mark Stone on LTIR and we're like, but he's hurt. And everybody's like, fuck you guys. Like that was, I think that was the, I think that was the end of I, They couldn't any just let it lie either though. Right? Like, yes, they played all the cap games. They get all this nonsense and then they pile on it. Because also, they screw up the Dadnov trade, and arguably this is more Ottawa's fault than theirs. 
But sure, but they some, do it. Yeah, they they're involved in yet another thing that just piles on to the nonsense that is this organization, and they just continue to make fools of themselves. Well, and then and then they you know they they turn it into the whole like boomerang thing. Yeah, they try to where it is a good thing, and no one. Yeah, is where they're like, he's back, baby. Look at him go, and you're just like, God, I hate every single one of you. <laughs> Well, and, and so I froze there for a minute, so I don't know if I, I may have missed this. But the other thing that I, I think we were talking about last night, Rudo, that I, I had forgotten about, they hired Pete DeBoer yeah. and then announced that they fired Gerard Gallant. Like, after, after, yeah. after, <laughs> after the fact. And, and so it's just like, this is now... So it's, it's basically every year. It's every they're year. like, they're doing somebody dirty. Right. And then, and then yeah, the, the, the Dadanov thing... Uh, to to your point, Rudo, like, yeah, maybe it falls more on Otto than it does them, but like, there is a level of responsibility that that falls on, like, the fact that they were just like trying to just force it through. Yep. It's like again, you didn't feel it necessary to talk to the player, because again, the player only alerted the team after he found out from a third party that he had been traded. Right. He, he, there was no conversation with him and him being like, well, I have a no trade clause. So what are you doing? Right. Right. And, and so it's just, it's all, Which, by the way, is publicly available information. Right, right. And you can't tell me that front offices don't use cap friendly because we got you that see, picture. Yeah. We got that picture of the hurricanes that one day where it was on like four different screens in the background. They were all using it. And it's like, everybody knew that there was, that I, whatever like i'm just they're they have they have shown themselves and it's not to be very on the up and up here and it's why everybody is rooting against them it's why everybody wants them to fail right now they want them they want this team in particular to fall flat on its face yep it's it's and an like incredible situation honestly. next year, like I'm, I'm so curious because what do they do? they're over yeah, the cap for next year already. If you account for the one million dollar raise, I think they're like four hundred k under. Yeah. No, I, I thought they were like four hundred k over. And either way, that's not enough room for them to do anything. They're gonna have to. They have to make some choices. It's gonna be. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy yeah. and eighty three uh, million already guaranteed next year for Vegas. Good God! <laughs> and they're gonna have to make hard choices. Like they have to. And yeah. they've had the ultimate shiny toy syndrome for several years, where they just go out and get whatever thing they want. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm fascinated, man. Like I, I think. Vegas and I think the two most interesting off seasons for me are going to be Vegas and Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know what Vegas is going to. I don't see how Vegas even stays as good as they are. Well, and like we said this last year, right? Like, what are they going to do? And they like trade Mark Andre Fleury, who won the Vesna for, for literally nothing. nothing. Yeah, they gave him away and then spent the money on Dadnov and Brossois. and you're just like, what? I remember last year we were talking about what are the best and worst moves of the of the summer, and I had Dadnov to Vegas as my worst move because it just didn't make any sense. The fact that it actually turned out to work for them only in the very end. 
after they tried to get rid of him. Yeah, I was going to say that that actually ended up being a pretty great prediction because did that did that whole Dadanov situation not really just seem to like punctuate this whole season for them? Like everything went terrible, and then you had the Dadanov situation, and that was just like a yeah. Well, it's like nothing felt good after that. Everything everything went terrible for them, but they still got like they got twenty goals out of the guy. And they're still hanging around despite all the injuries and all the other nonsense. It's just, they're still in this thing. And it's just like, can they just die? And I I don't trust Dallas to get to one bit because they look horrible yeah, they right now. They, not like you're looking at it. It's so weird because everybody, like, we're all sitting here like, hey, the abs have lost four in a row. I think given the way that they've now played in the last three of them, there's plenty of reason to be like, okay, I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable here. Now I, don't, I wouldn't say like I'm... And your life is on the line like that. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say I'm worried, but I would say I'm uncomfortable with the way that they're playing right now. They've got three games to try and turn it around, but like, you look at the three likeliest first-round opponents for them, Vegas, Dallas, and Nashville. Those teams are not playing good hockey right now. Yeah, like I the argument has been like, oh, all these teams are all these teams are are playing playoff hockey, and they're going to roll in and and they're going to be hot while Colorado's playing their worst of the season, and they're not doing this or that. And then you go and you look last ten games, Colorado has lost four in a row, is six and four in their last ten. Nashville and Dallas and Vegas fighting for their playoff lives, four four and two, four four and two, five three and two. Why again am I like worried about these teams that are sitting here playing playoff hockey? Right. Like Vegas has lost home games to New Jersey and San Jose with their season on the line. Yeah. Like Nashville Nashville is getting blown out like every third game right now. Yeah, UC Soros has there's been a a crack in the armor. Yeah, in the uh, in the UC last Soros. in the last two weeks, in the last ten days, they have four nothing losses, eight to three losses, and a, a six to two loss. They oh. have they have barely beaten Chicago and a Calgary team that is very comfortable in its position. Like they. Why am I worrying about these teams? Bro, I, I think I wrote about it last week uh, in the in the five-on-five. Five. Those teams that you just listed, it's like none of them look like they want it. Yep. Like they're like, nah, you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead and get in. We'll take the early summer. I said it on the pregame show last night or two nights ago. If you told me right now, hey, we just truth serumed all the Dallas Stars players and they said they don't want to go to the playoffs. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Based on the way they play, that makes sense. In the last, again, the last just 10 days here, with their season absolute, with them, like they had a chance to actually like lock this thing up. By now, yeah. And be done with it, right? And not be involved in this, this huge game coming up tomorrow night against Vegas. They have lost at home to Minnesota, barely squeaked by San Jose, gotten blown out in Vancouver, gotten blown out in Edmonton, 
got beat up in Calgary, barely squeaked by Seattle. I mean, you go back another week, they lost to the Devils and the Islanders. Like, <laughs> I guess they beat like, the Islanders, but the Leafs, it's all good. And like, you're you're sitting here and like, what again? Like, these guys are the the argument is that they're playing playoff hockey. Okay. If they were playing playoff hockey, they'd all been out of the first round by now because they've all lost. <laughs> None of these teams have been good enough. <laughs> and like, we're talking about like, they are, each of them has taken turns like losing to teams that you're just like, uh... a, a great segue to what I want to talk about in the last segment, which is should the NHL season be shorter? Uh, We'll get into that conversation in a bit, but we are brought to you by Avaca TV. If you want to watch the Avs, the Nuggets, the Rockies, the Broncos, all of your Colorado sports, you can do it on Avaca TV. Yes, they have Altitude. Yes, they have AT&T Sports Network. Of course, they have the national channels. So you can get on all of that and watch it. Highly recommend. You get For the first three months, you get an extra 10 bucks off. So it's just 15 bucks a month when you use code DNVR when you go over there. So jump on it. You can go to avocat.tv slash DNVR to let them know we sent you over there. That's evoca.tv slash DNVR. You can hook it up right to your television so you don't have to stream it or use a Chromecast or do all this nonsense to jump through hoops to watch these games. Super easy to do, super easy to use. So go check out Avaca TV. And then when you're chilling on your couch watching Avaca TV and don't have anywhere to be, you can go to Lightshade and get yourself all hooked up to get couch locked or otherwise. Get on over there. You can get up to 25% off there with code DNVR on select products. You can also check out online at lightshade.com to get whatever products you want ready for pickup, including the escape artist topicals. If you have any joint pain or you have any soreness or injuries, they can be a great thing. Blaze loves them for his crazy drop-in games. He says he uses the the really strong stuff for his wrists because they always bother him. But they have up to 20 to 1 ratios. They're normal just being the 1 to 1. You just apply it wherever you want it, and it starts working within 10 to 15 minutes. No more pain. That easy. So check out Escape Artist at one of Light Shade's 11 Denver Metro locations. And, uh, yeah, feel, uh, feel good one way or another. Uh, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, We've had this conversation at times before, and the one caveat we have to put at the start of this conversation, the NHL will never shorten its season. Full yeah, stop. It's not going to happen for financial reasons alone. Will never, ever, ever happen. But in a fantasy world, where what is the right number? Because you're talking about all these playoff teams that have just kind of been lolling out through the rest of the season. We talk about it every year where an 82-game season is just too long for a team to go full bore for the entirety of it. So what what is the correct season? Do you want it to be a 40-game sprint where truly every game is desperately important, or is it somewhere in the middle? Uh, I think last year's 56 games was a great like test sample and ended up being too short okay um so i would say now like we were over it because of how the schedule was set up and they were playing the same teams we were just like holy crap these are whole this is horrible these teams are all bad i'm so sick of them um but i 
I thought the 56 was too long. I think 80 uh, or too short. And I think 82 is, is too long. I think I'm right in that like 66 to 68 range. Um, if you pushed it to 70, I'd be cool. But I think, uh, I think, I think like 66 to 68 is where I would have it because I'd, that's usually the time of year that unless your team is fighting for one of those playoff spots, like pretty much all the teams that are going to make it, I would say like, you know, probably 13 of the 16 teams are usually pretty locked in by that point. The East has been decided since December. Yeah. And like the East this year, the East this year is obviously like a freak of nature occurrence. Um, and people are like using it to make arguments why you would not do playing games and stuff where you're just like, you could put mechanisms in place. Like if the team is more than five points out, then there's no play in like that that way you keep teams where you're like, nah, these guys aren't deserving, you know, like they're not deserving of being in this mix. Then they don't get to be in that mix. Like you could easily just put a mechanism in place and be like, this just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, my my game's answer is is 70. I think 70s okay. right right in that range. It shaves off enough um that it has an impact on your schedule and the fatigue and all of that stuff, but it doesn't shave off so many that you're like completely I agree with you AJ like that 56 was just it was just not enough. It was just a, um, it was just a hair too short. Like it too short. Yeah. And, and to your point, it's skewed our vision is skewed on it a little bit because it was like, okay, yeah. eighth game against San yeah. Jose this month. Holy shit. Um, but I, I think 70, because then what, what we talked about at the very beginning of the season, right? You break the season up into 10 game chunks. You have seven, 10 game chunks, nice, even number um, that shortens your season up by about three weeks. Um on the calendar. So you don't have to really change much about your season. Uh, you know, you can still have all the same breaks. It just comes to an end a couple weeks short of what, what it normally does. All right. So you're both settling in roughly the, the 70 area, we'll call it. How do you break up the season at 70 games? You could play every team twice for 62 games and then an extra game against each of your divisions for a third game there to 69 games. I guess that would be, are you looking at that? Are you looking at just one game against the opposite conference with like four, five games against divisional opponents or, or how would you like to see that broken up? I, I like what I like your first suggestion, play everyone twice for 62 and then for 62. And then the last eight are all within your division. Sure. Okay. AJ's thinking hard about this one. Yeah. I think, I think I'm good with that math. And then, and then, and then you can just rotate. And once a year, you have one team that you play a four time times or whatever. Well, and and I think you could even make that an automatic schedule thing, where you that last game, you know, if you if you finish kind of like how the NFL does it, like if you finish uh, in first place in the in the division, then you play the second place team in your division. Mm, if you finish yeah. third place, you play the fourth place team. Now those are previous year results, so they may not matter by the end of next year, but that could be how you end the season. Well, no, I was going to say that's a great point. If if you made it the last game of every year, like there actually is incentive to not finish last because 
Then next year, you're on the rise. You're trying to squeak in. Oh, you have a top team in your division to go through on the very last game of the season. Um, I like that. Yeah, so that's how I'd do it. That What we just laid out is exactly how I would do it. There we go. I don't understand why we're not just running yeah. the NHL. We've solved we, all of their problems. We have we have we have fixed free or the All Star Weekend. Uh, yeah. We've we've now fixed the schedule. I'm sure we can fix free agency and all these these nonsense cap problems in no time. Like, yep. Yep. just give yeah, us. here, do we have Gary Bettman? Bettman? Do we have Gary <laughs> yeah, Bettman? Get him on the line. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is just interesting to take a look at because I've heard a lot of talk over the past two weeks on both sides of this argument where it's like, Hey, they should make the season shorter. This part of the season kind of sucks for 90% of the league. I've also seen hey, people like it this long because it, it has that more of a buildup for, for a wild card run. I tend to fall on the shorter side because yes, like the Avs fan base got to experience game 82, but in a 70 game season, that game is just called game 70, right? Like, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, well, and this year in the West is actually a great example because, like you said, AJ, like the East is it's it's hard to pull anything from this year's Eastern Conference. Like this year's West is actually a great example as to why this wouldn't really matter. Go back nine you games or whatever right now. Stars in Vegas meander their it's way. It's the same <laughs> yeah. drama. It just would have been over ten days ago. Yeah. It's it's the same teams fighting for the same spots. It hasn't really gotten any closer now than it was at game 70. It's just that we would have already had our answer by now. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be the anecdotal, uh, you know, examples of, well, oh, this team wouldn't have gotten in had it not been for the last 12 games. Or like, I, I actually think the 82 game, 82 abs, I don't think they would have gotten in at game 70, but like, sure. Absolutely. Once you make that change, the way that teams prep for the season, that that final sprint just comes a little bit earlier. I don't actually think it would have any impact. You you could make it a 20 game season and you'd end up with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, If anybody is curious at 70 games, roughly 70 games, uh, Nashville and Vegas were tied there's going to be some games in hand here. Sure. Um, Nashville and Vegas were tied. Dallas was one point back, and Winnipeg was five points back. And I, yeah, and pretty sure Dallas had a number of games at that point. So, uh, yeah. Well, Vegas had Vegas had uh, three more games played than both Nashville and yeah. Dallas. Okay. So you were you were roughly in the exact same spot that. You are now. The, the only difference is swap Winnipeg for Vancouver. Both teams that aren't going to make it anyways. Yeah, exactly. And like Edmonton and the Kings uh, were like the Kings were ahead of Edmonton, but had more games played. So at 70, at 70 games played, you really are pretty much in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Obviously it would adjust. Like we said, I'm sure starting goalies would have played different games. Maybe teams get up a little bit differently for certain games. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really changes how things play out all that much. Other than uh, it happens a little bit faster. That's 
that's really it. Uh, yeah, I'm, look, all right. Uh, there are people out there who do make the argument for a longer season. Uh, somebody in our chat said 84 games, and Evan wants them banned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why you would want a longer season. I don't either. That's... I don't understand. Um, no, thank you. So, I, I get it. I get it. I do not. For, well, for, for what we were just talking about, all the drama and, and you know, it, it's so hard to win. And, you know, that's people in hockey love priding themselves on that. Like, it is a cool thing that the Stanley Cup is arguably the hardest trophy to win because of how grueling the season is and the playoffs. So, like, I get it. But like, if you were gonna do something like that, you'd have to do like multiple multi-week breaks. Like, if you were gonna if you were gonna lengthen the season, go it to like ninety or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like multiple multi-week breaks, and now you're basically just running year-round. I um, I just yeah, don't because that's like, another I, month. I think it would be right. less drama even because if we get to the Maybe, middle yeah. of May and it's another week of, well, the biggest Golden Knights are still just three points back. I'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, my God. Just end the season. Right. It's like a dog slowly bleeding out. It's like, shoot him. <laughs> right. Well, Maybe not a dog. Maybe, yeah. Well, an animal, an animal. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This took a really dark turn, and you're going to get us all canceled. Thank you. He has a was, fatal was, wound. He just hasn't died yet. Th- thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that came out way wrong, but thank you, Rudo, for getting what I was trying to say. I'm just, I picked up what you were laying down, but what you were laying down was a landmine, brother. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. <laughs> Oops, okay. Oopsie. Is this show done yet? Let's yeah, get out of here. We're done. We're done. <laughs> We're definitely done on that note. Uh, we're gonna get out of here for the day. We'll, I mean, we'll this be... is our last. This is our last show. Yeah, our last non-playoff or... of the regular season yeah. because we are not doing a show Wednesday and it the games, last two Tuesday, games, Thursday, Friday. Yep. Yeah. So this is our last show of the regular season. Um, we're gonna go pretty hard in the paint on playoff coverage to start ramping things up yeah yeah absolutely so quick uh quick give me can we take a few minutes just to do some award stuff oh sure because we haven't really talked much about them this year and oh okay yeah i just think that you know we may not we may not genuinely have time between the end of the regular season and us doing us doing all of this all the stuff that we're going to be working on and the start of the round one but we'll see yeah well we don't the problem is we don't know the abs could also just be playing on monday exactly and so that's why i'm like let's let's take a couple of minutes and let's look around and um get into some of the award because we just you know we just haven't talked about it at all so like league awards or just abs awards what do you know league awards okay so when Uh, you said awards i was like wait like are these awards that we're giving each other but I get what you mean. <laughs> um, I don't know has, what I wore or what award I would give to you guys. <laughs> well, that was that was why you're like, can we just do this real quick? I was like, uh, yeah. I don't know the what we're gonna most say. Shirtless coworker goes to me. <laughs> that shit. That shit would not have happened had I been there. <laughs> oh no. No. How do you know? You wouldn't even been able to get to me. All right. I would have. There would have been. There would have been a fight. 
<laughs> You'd have to fight me with my shirt off. So fun, dude. <laughs> so what? Uh, okay. Uh, let's start with the Vesna. I want to see if you can make a case for Darcy Kemper or not. No. No? No. I mean, you he was starting to get to the point where Shesterkin had like a, a rough enough two weeks where you were like, if this keeps up and Darcy keeps playing great. And then Kemper, no. Like Shesterkin is your, he should be your unanimous. All first place votes go to him. Uh, the, other, the other finalists, I think a lot of these guys have had tough goes of it here recently but Kemper I think should be a finalist well so I, I was gonna say I think you can make the case for Kemper in a vacuum that he has had a Vesna worthy season but I agree with you it's it's Shesterkin the way that <clears throat> the, the 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 body of work he's put together from the first game of the year to now yeah to the point we were just making it is a lot of games every goaltender is going to have a few stinkers in there. So like the fact that Shesterkin went on a small little run where he wasn't great. It's like, yep, that happens even to the best. I think you can, I think Kemper's had a phenomenal year and I'm with you. I think he should be a finalist. I think you can make the case that he has had a business season, but I don't think there is much of a case to make that he has had a better year than Igor Shesterkin. So no, I I think the I think unfortunately there are three guys that I think you have that have really good cases to be finalists in Kemper, Markstrom, and Freddie Anderson. Mm, and yeah. between between those guys, obviously, one of them is going to lose out. Yeah. Do you put Saros in that conversation at all? Not anymore. No. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, just, and I also. It's been too bad, and I don't put Ville Husso in the conversation because it's not enough games yeah, played. I, I agree um, with but that's my argument for Saros, is that dude has 66 starts this year. Yeah, but he when they've absolutely needed it down the stretch, he just... Didn't quite get there, yeah. It hasn't been... It's, it's, dude, they're getting blown out. Like, he's getting rocked every couple of games. So like the fatigue might've gotten to him. They might've absolutely run him into the ground yeah, and overplayed him to the point where he's just like, I'm just a little fella. I can't do this. <laughs> and now they'll learn, but like, ugh. that's so many games played for uh, a guy who's never started in a full season. Yeah. Him getting 66 starts is crazy well and that's that's also pretty unheard of in today's nhl yeah, goaltenders yeah. just don't play like you know they don't they don't play that many games anymore yeah i mean thatcher demko has 61 starts Vashilevsky has 61 starts uh connor Hellebuck has 65 but oh, well maybe maybe i'm an idiot maybe it's more heard of than i thought I just, well and like markstrom has 62 but we're also like out of runway here. Like this is the end of the year. By the end of the season, Saros will have been pushing seventy. Yeah, because he's probably going to start two of their games this week, so he's going to get up to sixty-eight. And like, there's a pretty big difference between a guy who starts sixty-eight games and one that starts sixty games. Yeah, yeah. So that's two extra weeks worth of of wear and tear on that dude's body. So, yeah. well, so you know what it honestly reminds me of, and and kind of like what you said about. Well, and actually, now that I'm thinking back on it, you know what you said about him just running out of steam, 13-14 Varley. 
an unbelievable yeah. year for Semyon Varlamov. They won the division that year because St. Louis was so bad, despite the Avs struggling down the stretch. Yeah. And then, I mean, you could just tell by game seven of that first round. Toasted. Yeah. He was out, dude. He was done. Um. All right. Calder. There are maybe four real players in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious how you guys feel about Michael Bunting, but then you have Zgros, Raymond, and Cider also. So Bunting's going to finish as the leading scorer. Correct. Um, I mean, I guess I guess Zgros could catch him. There's only he's only four back. Yeah, but... I mean. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bunting's been on their top line with Matthews and Marner. And I think that's like noteworthy, right? Like you look at that and you say, hey, that he's playing a big role on a very good team. Like I think that's fair to say. You know, you look at his age, his age seems to be the only discounting factor here. And that's in no way under his control and it's within the rules. Like if you have a problem with a guy, his age being eligible for the Calder, the problems with the rules, right? You guys have a problem with that rule? Yes. Cool. I think it's, I think it's too high. Yeah, it yeah, should be I agree. like maybe not even 25. It should be like 23. I was, I was going to say 24 is where I would put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So, because we were talking about like Kaprizov and Panarin, yeah, and you look at those cases and you're like, <laughs> like, come on, those guys were both 24 years old. This guy's 26. Dude, he turns 27 before the start of next season. That guy's eligible for free agency, fellas. Right, right. Uh, I, I don't know. I it's been hard because they've been so bad to end the season. But like, Mo Cider has been my pick all year Sam. um I, I just think you know we talked about it so much uh, several years ago mm. with kale mccarr coming in and how difficult it is for defensemen to jump into the nhl right away and for my money like like this has been we've got 450 goal scores in the nhl this year like th- this has been an offensive season across the board not that that takes away from the points that guys like zgras are bunting or are or, or scoring but like scoring is up. So scoring's way up. So you know those tolls are gonna are gonna float to the top. Mo Sider has been playing on Detroit's top defensive pairing all year and has probably been their best defender. And he's in the mix. He's he's fallen kind of back, kind of far back, but like he's in the mix in terms of the points. Uh, he was right up there with Zebras up in yeah, fourth. You know, he, he, I think him and Zgras had one point difference two, three weeks ago. So, like, you know, he's producing and he's playing, I think, in a more difficult position. And he's a true rookie. You know, he's what, 20? Might be 21, but yeah, right in there. Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to remember if he was a teenager or not. (laughs) He is 21. Yeah. Just turned 21. You know, like, for me, just when you factor those things in, I, I think I give the edge to him just because it's it's really tough to jump in and play defense in this league. Well, it's really it's it's really tough to jump in and be a number one that yeah. plays in all situations. And he plays 23 minutes a night. 
Um, and you can look and, and say, yeah, he has led all rookies in power play points. And that's like fair enough, especially because he only has six goals this year. The- and so you, you could definitely make an argument that because of the power play, like I would be curious about primary versus secondary, but I would, I would probably still have him first because that I understand he's on a bad team. Right. If you, get, if you get into the underlying numbers, like it's not his fault that the team around him sucks. And he's been the only he's been the only thing to, well, to, it, to really elevate. Like he you look at his underlying numbers and you're like, despite the fact that Detroit's not any good, this kid has kicked ass. And he a good chance he hits fifty points on the season with a couple games mm-hmm. left. The next closest defense rookie defenseman in scoring to him is Jamie Drysdale at thirty one. Yeah, and these dudes are all lucky that Bowen Byron was not healthy. I yeah. I don't disagree with that take, but Fighter <laughs> has separated himself as a defenseman in this rookie class in such a big way. Whereas you do kind of get Bunting and Zegras and, and maybe even throw Raymond into that conversation that I think are going to kind of pull votes from each other a little bit on the forward side. Yeah. So. An interesting conversation to say the least. Next, the heart. Uh, do we have? Do, do we? In, do, do we all vote on that one? Do we have a first place I, guy? It's cider. I, I, think I think you both cider, have cider, yeah. right? That's what you were saying. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here for cider as well. Yeah. I would uh, have, I would have Zegras second, and be just for for off ice reasons. I would say for cultural reasons, which maybe that's unfair for me to give to him. But yeah, but he's dope and does dope stuff. That's what I'm saying. He's been uh, he's been so, so good for the game. He's amazing for the game, and yep. that's extra credit for him that I probably, sh- based on the criteria of the award, I probably should not assign him. Uh, the heart. Uh, I, where, this is this is the toughest one, I'm, dude. I, I don't know. I've got no clue. I think you like. I know a lot of people don't want to give it to Huberto. I think he's in the conversation. Obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle are there. Johnny Gaudreau has just kept doing the thing, and then the guy a lot of people are making an argument for, and Matthews. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, so th- this this is one of those ones that AJ. I think you're the one who talked about this being a thing uh, several weeks ago about predetermined. This one feels like it's predetermined. It's going to go to Austin Matthews because the Leafs need an, an MVP. Um, but what's crazy is I, this is the this is the most did Roman Yossi carry Nashville or did they have two other, two or three other guys who are also having career years that aren't getting enough credit. Um, this year, I think more than ever, you could make the heart argument for, for, for more players than we've ever really seen. I think Shesterkin uh, could very easily be in there. Um, all those guys you just listed, for a long time, I thought Miko had a at least, again. I, I'm not saying any of these guys should have won, uh, but I thought both Miko and Makar had a case to be in the conversation at one point this season. Um, yeah, like you said Huberto, uh, yeah, Gaudreau. I, I just I don't remember the last time there were this many guys that you could truly, at the very least, make the argument for, and that's part of why I have no clue, no clue who my heart pick would be. Yeah, this one's tough. I think that Yossi has a better hard case than 
Norris case, personally. I, I don't think his heart case is good enough to even be a finalist, though. I would agree with that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, guys, I, I hope it's just Sturkin because I put money on him on DraftKings like two months ago. Look, if I'm if I were if I was voting on it and I am not voting on it this year, um, I would have my first place would probably be Austin Matthews. You love his goal scoring. Well, and it's the most valuable single skill in the NHL. That's why they have an award for the most goals scored. By yeah, him. but you're talking, I mean, he's done it at such an incredible clip. And it's, he's just so valuable to them. You know, he's, he's great. And like, yeah, he has help with Mitch Marner. But all these guys have help. You know, Johnny Gaudreau. Is he disqualified because Matt Kachuk has a hundred points? Right. You know, like I, these guys all have some form of help, um, but I would probably, I would probably have it be Matthews uh, if 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 it ends if McDavid ends up winning it. I don't have a like I'm not going to lose my shit. I don't. The one guy that I think has not gotten nearly enough credit in this conversation is Carol Kaprizov. I that guy has made Ryan Hartman into a legit one C, a 30 goal scoring one C. Like he has a weird supernatural connection with Matt Zuccarello. They're incredible together. Now he's playing a little bit with Kevin Fiala, and Kevin Fiala can't stop scoring goals. And I it's crazy. Like it truly is crazy the way that he elevates that entire franchise the way that he has. He, I, I think Kaprizov is the, the, uh, the underrated guy that should get way more votes and way more pub than he's gotten because he doesn't have that help looking around him. You know, yeah, he's got, he's got guys having career years, but like, like Roman Yossi's got, you know, Matt Duchesne and, and Phil Forsberg are having incredible seasons. They've had great seasons in the past. And watching Kaprizov elevate a guy like Ryan Hartman. And, like, Ryan Hartman obviously is his own human being, and he has scored his own goals. It's not like he's been gifted 30 of them, you know? But that's, that's like, them playing together and seeing how Hartman has blown up and not held them back, both the credit to Hartman, credit to Dean Evason, and a huge credit to Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, that's a great shout out. Like, Kaprizov has been incredible this year. Doesn't have anybody in, uh, uh, in sitting here in this list of of teammates. Like Kevin Fiala is next at, at eighty four, and it's just like he's had an insane year. But I'm I I can't believe I'm paying pounding the table for a Minnesota Wild player, but. I don't like the thing is we don't have any dog in this fight, and I think it's true. It, any of the top five or six dudes, if they won the award, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll buy I, that. I really don't want it to be Uber Dome. I know you don't, but I would be fine with it. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't lose sleep. Over I don't it. even know if he'll be a finalist. I think he probably won't. Just given Matthews, McDavid, and then. Someone like Kaprizov or or Gaudreau. Well, like you know, you know, Drysaddle's going to get plenty of votes still, which yep. is 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we move on to the last big one? The one we do have a dog in, in the Norris? Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. it, there's nothing. Is it Kevin Carr or is it Roman Yossi? Is that, is that easy? Dude, so I can tell by AJ's face he's going to say it should be Yossi. Uh, and, like, look, he, he, here's where I'm at. I'm not going to be bothered if it's Yossi. Kale McCarr is 22. I still think this guy's going to end his career with two or three of these things and a half dozen nominations. Um, my argument for it being Kale is Kale McCarr has had a phenomenal season. He's had an unbelievable season, incredibly consistent. Roman Yossi came to life and went to another tier uh, in terms of production starting in late January, early February. And I, I, I do just, I, I can't get past this type of stuff. Last year, everyone said, oh, well, it has to be Adam Fox because he plays in all situations. He plays on the penalty kill. And he gets more D zone starts and just eats more minutes. Kale McCarr really just feasts on the offensive zone. Well, this year, when it's McCarr and Yossi, McCarr kills penalties. He plays in all situations. He gets more D zone starts. He plays in all situations. And he just eats up minutes. Yossi does not do that. Yossi, on most nights, actually gets like second pairing minutes. And. For me, I just sit there and say, Kale McCarr has done it since the season started. And he does it in all situations. Roman Yossi has had a phenomenal year. Yossi averages 20, 25 and a half minutes of ice time. So just I mean, saying. I'm, like, I'm more of talking in terms of matchups. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I just and, wanted yeah. to put that out there. Yeah. And he's had a great year, but I just don't think it has been on the consistent level that McCars has. And I don't think he's, he has as much responsibility on the ice as Kale McCarr takes on. Like I said, at the end of the day, if it's Yossi, not too worried. Kale McCarr will get another. So just a quick, uh, about the consistency. Um, Roman Yossi has been a point per game player every single month this year, except mm -hmm. April. Um, that's not true for Makar. Okay. Like, like Makar has, uh, Yossi had like an all-time month with his march, right? For a defenseman to have 28 points in a month is like, what just happened? Yeah. yeah that's it's crazy. totally broken. But Kale Makar has not reached the point per game barrier in three different months, including April. And so when we talk about consistency, um, I think that that's it's fair to point out that Roman Yossi has at least been a point per game in every month except April, where he has ten points in twelve games. So consistency still, still get there does go beyond offense, though. Right. Yeah, and and like, look, I don't think I don't think it would be fair to say any of us are watching Nashville often enough to talk about how he has played consistent consistently over those nights. I'm just saying, like. I think those are I think that that's an interesting point to make that while he does have the supersized march he has been a point per game guy every month so he's been so, very 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 good except April. what 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 are 
when when McCarr wasn't a point per game, how close was he? Just purely out of close, close. He was close. Uh, it was he was six points in eight games, six points in seven games, and right now he's ten and eleven. So it's like we're and we're talking like those like six points are like the difference right now between those two being tied in points. But I do think that if you dig into the defensive impacts, Kale McCarr's just had the better year. And when you're talking about a number one defenseman, when the fuck did that stop mattering? <laughs> right, right, right. What are we doing? That I again, am I high right now? I understood <laughs> like both players. So the thing was, was Yossi was on his way to a hundred point season, where I was like, if he gets a hundred points, you just give it to him. Right. And I know Abs fans have said, oh, if Kale McCarr hits thirty goals, then you just give it to him. I don't think I don't think that it's fair either way because I don't know that either one of those guys are going to hit those benchmarks. Right. And going into the last week of the season, Roman Yossi is nine points shy and Kel McCarr is three goals shy. So they're both more likely just going to like I here's the thing. Like as AJ's mic gets muted on accident. If you're making the case for Austin Matthews for Hart because he's an elite goal scorer, can't you apply that same logic to Kale McCarr on the defensive side? Because he is the best at defensive goal scorer in the league by a lot. It, he had six goals on Yossi, obviously, but also since he entered the league this season, he's having the third best per- shooting percentage season by a defenseman in the past five years. So his his goal scoring ability this year has been on a level that Roman Yossi has never reached in his entire career if we're being honest about it so on that front i i i don't want to take it oh i don't want to take anything away from yossi i think yossi is having an all world season but i For think sure. macar deserves the award I do too, because he's the best combination of elite offense and elite defense. Mm-hmm. Whereas Roman Yossi has been elite offense and pretty good defense or okay defense, kind of right in there. So I I just think when you can consider the whole profile and the fact that the points probably are going to end up close enough that you're like, because if he ends up like 12 points ahead of him, it's that gonna be to stretch it a little. Yeah, bit. you're gonna have like if he ends up at like 98, and say Kale does not score again. Like I think I think you're gonna have a harder time making that case, right? But if if they end up kind of in this like five to like seven range, you look at you look at it like Kale McCarr has just been elite. McCarr you know, and a few less games played too. And so. you end up you you also look at uh, you do look at hey he had Devon Taves next to him who should get Norris votes himself, mm-hmm. and how much is that going to hurt him? Because I think it will hurt him in the eyes of some that it's like who's Roman Yossi playing with? But that is also pointing to to Jesse's point. He's getting the more sheltered matchup. And they're playing him with with a partner that does not put him in a position to be number like the number one guy there, right? And I think that's also an important consideration. It's kind of the same thing with Victor Hedman in Tampa Bay the last couple of years, where Victor Hedman's been amazing and he's played in all situations and all of that, but he has not taken on the toughest competition. 
They've left that to Ryan McDonough and Eric Chernak. And yeah. you're looking at Kale McCarr, and Kale McCarr every single night takes on the toughest competition that the league has to offer every single night. And I I think when you just dig into, okay, well, the who's he going against? That means who's he scoring against? Right. And if that's how he's handling the league's top competition, how are you going to make an argument that there's a guy out there better when the, the, the guy that you're trying to stand for here is a guy that's not doing it in that same situation? 100%. And that's where they separate to me. So I, I I just think you can break this down really easily. Which guy is playing the role of a true number one defenseman and playing at the absolute highest level? And it's Kale McCarr. Yeah. Yep. And I don't – I get that I'm a Colorado dude and, making a case for a Colorado dude, but you thought I was voting for Roman Yossi at the start of this conversation, and it's Kale McCarr. <laughs> It true, like it really. Yeah. It's, well, and so it's Kale. It's it, it and 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 the really, I think the only case for Yossi is the points, right? That or that's the big case for him. Yeah, Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr is a one point one three point per game player this year. Roman Yossi is one point one nine. So in terms of points per game, you're talking about point oh six separating these two guys. Their production has been very similar. Uh, like you said, AJ, Roman Yossi had a, a historic, an all-time month for defensemen in March. March. Yeah, March. Um, and and if it if it wasn't for even a couple of those games, you don't even have to eliminate the whole month. These two guys are probably tied in points or at least points per game. And if that is your big selling point, and you don't have an ocean of a gap between you and the next closest guy. I, I just don't see how you can really step back. And, and when you look at the whole picture of this, say, yeah, it's probably Yossi. Like it, it's just, it, it's, it's Kale McCarr and the points aren't a big enough difference to, to make up that ground. In my opinion. Um, There's a question here about comparing five V five points. Uh, it's the secondary points one. Yeah, sorry, secondary points. And if you could just give me a second, yeah, I got you. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all strengths too. I'm so because they're both prolific power play guys. Yep. Uh, by the way, Yossi thirty six power play points, Makar thirty three. So not a whole lot in that. Yeah. In any case, while AJ's looking up stats. Yeah, I just wanna, I just wanna give you like actual solid numbers. Yeah. I, I think, and you know, you you only take certain statistics with however much weight. But the way McCarr is a better shooter, the way McCarr plays in all situations, McCarr is a plus forty-seven. By the way, to Yossi's plus thirteen, I get it. Plus minus is not a good stat. That's it's still a, a stat, stat that some voters nothing. use. It's it's. Yeah, so funny actually. Um, they both have the exact same number as primary and secondary assists. Huh. Roman Yossi, Roman Yossi has thirty-five and thirty-five, and Kale McCarr has twenty-nine and twenty-nine. That's really funny. There you go. They're fifty-fifties. They're each of fifty-fifties. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Split. Yeah. 
What's also interesting and goes to to speak to the uh, Kale McCarr's ability to score goals, their individual expected goals at all strengths, Roman Yossi is actually a goal ahead. Expected, not actual. Correct. So, expected goals. It's a it's an interesting stat. It's arguably Yossi generating better quality chances is what that argument is making. Yep. And if you look at uh, if you look at the high danger chances that each of them has created, um, Yossi does have the advantage. Yep. Though they have the same number of scoring chances. And Makar shooting just shy of 4% better. Yeah, and uh, like actual individual shot attempts uh, this year, Yossi is way ahead. Just bombing away. Yeah, he's ahead by a a lot. But (laughs) you also look, um, you know, why does he have so many more assists? Um, The on-ice shooting percentage for Makar at all strengths is 12%. Um. It's the same for Yossi. Yep. It's actually almost identical. It's it's 12.12 and 12.17. Negligible difference. There. So their offense, their offense is almost the same. Yossi has more assists. Makar has more goals, which are more valuable. But defensively and in the matchups, I pulled up the J Fresh cards just to, to check what percentile it's they were in. A lot. And Makar Makar is in ninety the ninety-fourth percentile of competition. And Roman Yossi is sixty-four. Yep. So thirty percent difference there. Yep. So you're talking and his and Roman Yossi's in the forty-fifth percentile for even strength defense. While Kale McCarr is in the 87th percentile. Pretty good. Pretty so it's that, good. It's that simple, man. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, I That's a good place to end it for me, unless you got any other awards you guys really wanted to talk about. Uh, I don't have a single thought on the Selkie. Yeah, I mean, um, that is not something that we have to worry about in Colorado. Uh, but let me ask you just real quick. I don't want to get into the whole thing um, because I was like, hey, let's talk about awards real quick. It's been half an hour. Um, <laughs> Val Machushkin, do we, do we start to consider him in the sub? Because my argument against him as a Selkie candidate was always, guys, oh, yeah. he's on the third line. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> he's playing against third line guys. He's not, he's not playing against good enough players for his dominance to matter you have to like there are guys out there there are guys out there playing against the absolute best of the best and and putting up similar results so but now now that he's sitting around playing on color in colorado's top six and now on their top line for an extended period of time like could you start to make that case i think next year if you get a full season well i mean i guess he's done it for a full season this year but, but you know if he, if he does he it has. again next year I think it's hard to ignore that. Um, I do just think he'll always get dinged for being a winger. Yep, he will. And, he'll never and win it because he's a winger. Like fairly, like let's be honest. Like the yeah. being a wing is much easier than being a center. But with, it's, with, why, with, it's why you have not seen Mark Stone. Like that's like that's what kept Mark Stone from winning like five cell case. With with the the big push towards 
not towards, but like with, with the big analytics movement that we are seeing in the NHL and more and more people being adopters. Um, I think you could start to see that change a little bit and you could maybe get a guy like Val Nachushkin in there um, at some point. You know, it, it's one of those things where if like, it's purely up to me. Yeah, I would include him on that. Um, but I just don't think... Uh, I just don't think the voters are ready to... For the record, competition this year, Nachushkin, 98th percentile. That... I think he, he might deserve a Selkie. I don't think he'll ever win one because he's not a center. I think yeah. that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. Um, I think nice. that's I think that's probably yeah, I think that's probably accurate. But I hadn't looked just because his underlying numbers have been unbelievably good for <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> that it's just like, okay, they're dominant. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Still good. Got it. Um, but I was curious about that. Uh, and his even strength defense, 98% against the 98% competition. Seems good. So he's the best of the best in suppressing offense against the best of the best. Seems like the definition of Selkie to me. So I won't be surprised when he gets down ballot votes and he ends up with like 13, like fifth place votes. Yeah. And we, when they, when they announce something, yeah. When they announce, when they show off who votes for those people, we can bring them onto the show and all clap for them for making good (laughs) life choices. (laughs) Okay. We've been going for way too long now. So we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you everyone for watching, listening, however you consume. We'll be back tomorrow, pregame, postgame. We're off Wednesday, obviously games Thursday, Friday, and then either over the weekend or Monday, depending on how the playoff schedule sorts out, we'll have a ton of playoff preview content for you. So be sure to uh, keep an eye out for all of that stuff until the next one. We'll talk to you later.